explore, to venture out, to leave behind the ordinary and find something new. New places, new paths, new challenges. We look for adventure and for a tomorrow that asks more of us than today did. We want to hear the wind in the trees. We want to look out across the expanses. We want to take in the beauty around us and find a thrill the average person never does. So we set out to find a better way in our relationships, in our pursuits, and in our faith. Life Trails, take the next step. Thanks to Chris, to the worship team, to the choir. They've been working hard in, uh, in here oh, probably last six weeks, probably six, eight practices, and just did a great job. So grateful for them to lead us in worship this morning. Well, I want to ask you a question as we get started, and, and it's this. Have you ever had a situation in life where you were really looking forward to something and your hopes were up only to be disappointed? And maybe it was a big thing, maybe it was a little thing, maybe it was just something like a, a movie that somebody had hyped. It's like, this is an awesome movie. And you saw the trailer and you couldn't wait and you got there and you sat through the movie and it's kind of like, yeah, meh, that was not all that great. Or, or maybe it was like a uh, book that somebody suggested you should read. And so you get out the book and you're already into like chapter six and you're like, you have no idea what's going on in this book. And it's this big disappointment to you, or, or maybe it's a, a restaurant that you saw on Yelp, and it's like, okay, it's got great reviews, we're going to head out to this restaurant, my wife and I did this uh, a couple weeks ago, and saw this restaurant, and we went, and it was a big restaurant, and there's all kinds of people there, so we put our names in, and we sat there for a half an hour waiting for our seats, and got all done, it's like, I'm not exactly sure why all those people were waiting that long, but you know, maybe we won't again, it was kind of a disappointment, to be completely honest, and Maybe it's some place that you visit, and it's like, this is going to be great, and you got there, and it's like, eh, it wasn't so special. Or maybe it was like some guy, you know, and your friend said he's this really cool guy, and so you go on this date, and it's like, eh, I don't think so. But we have these experiences in life where we are disappointed and where our hopes were let down in those hopes. And you know what? It's even true when you go hiking. And we've been doing this series throughout the course of the year called Life Trails and taking different paths as we go. And we're in a part of it right now that we're calling Crosswalk. But I love to hike. And my wife and I, we like to get out there and, and, and hike. And we've been on some of these hikes that sounded really great. And then we take the hike and it's like, yeah, what was that all about? I remember my kids were still little. We were out in Washington State and we found this hike to Pyramid Lake. It was up in the North Cascades. And so we got the kids together, and we all went hiking up this trail, and we hiked, and we hiked, and we hiked. And this trail was forever long. And we get to the top, and we're checking out this lake, and it's, it's about as big as this room. And, I mean, it's just kind of sitting there, and there's, like, nothing to it. And it's like, that was just a huge, huge disappointment. Back a few years ago, we were visiting my daughter out in California. She lives in the Los Angeles area, and we're like, let's go on a hike one day. And so Saturday morning, and so we wanted to go on this hike, and so we went and found this trail. And we had to park about a mile from the trailhead back in this uh, subdivision. And so we first mile of the, of the trail was hiking through the subdivision. And then we get to the trail, and it's basically just a dirt road for another mile. And then there's like a quarter mile of trail, and we get to this waterfall. 
And it's kind of this, this little trickle that's coming down out of the rock, and there's graffiti all over on the rocks beside it. And it's like, why did we take this trail? And we felt disappointed in that moment. Well, this morning we want to talk about two guys who are out on a trail, literally, and they're disappointed. But they're not disappointed with the trail, per se. They're disappointed with an experience that they just had. And it was a spiritual experience. And maybe you can relate to them because you've had a spiritual experience or two in your life. And to be completely honest, it just left you disappointed. And so to get us all on the same page, let me just do a really quick review. And then we're going to dive into a story that shows up in Luke chapter 24. And we're going to put the scriptures on the screen this morning so you don't need to turn to it. It'll be right there for you. We've been doing this series that's called The Crosswalk, and it's been designed to help us prepare for Easter for today. As we've, we've looked forward to the cross, and we've looked forward to different aspects about the cross, what we've said about in this whole series is that we want to walk to the cross, but we also want to walk on from the cross. See, the cross was never designed to be a destination. It was just a point along the path. And, and obviously, even as we stand here on Easter morning, it's not just the cross, it's the resurrection. But it goes on from there. And we've been looking at different aspects of the cross and saying it doesn't stop here, it keeps going on. And so we've looked at, for instance, a few weeks ago, uh, Mark talked about Jesus and his humility on the cross. And so we come to the cross and see Jesus in his humility, and we walk on from the cross and try to practice humility in our lives as well. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. And that death wouldn't be the end and that life would come out of death. But it was a challenge to us to walk on from the cross in trust. Last week, we, we, we talked about the idea of Jesus and how he was persecuted and how he was abused. And, and all the things that went into the crucifixion. And all the injustices that he took and how he just took them on and refused to respond in kind. And we talked about walking on from the cross because we all face injustices in life. And how do we respond to those? We want to respond the same way that Jesus did. Well, the story today is of these people who walked to the cross literally. They probably were there when it happened. They were probably eyewitnesses. And then they walked away from the cross. But if you were real, listening really closely, I said that a little bit different. They walked to the cross and they walked away from the cross. They didn't walk on from the cross. And I think that's a difference that many of us face in our own lives. In fact, I think most of us have the opportunity to walk to the cross. The question is, do we walk on from the cross or do we walk away from the cross? Because if, I, if we went out there in, in, you know, on the street and uh, in, into Waterford or in the, the surrounding communities, and I just said, hey, tell me about the cross. Most people could tell me about the cross and what it was about. You know, Jesus died on the cross. Well, why did he die? Well, he died for sins. And, and we kind of have that story in our, in our heads. And I could ask you about the resurrection. Say, what's the resurrection? Well, well it's when Jesus rose from the dead. And I would say, okay, that's great, but what does that mean? It is probably indicative of the fact that a lot of people walk to the cross, but then walk away from the cross. Well, our story this morning is about a road, it's about a trail. It actually led west out of Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. It was a town about seven miles 
to the west of Jerusalem. It doesn't exist today, and, and even archaeologists aren't exactly sure where it, the town was. But parts of the road still exist today. I have some pictures here for you. You show them up there. This is the valley where this trail went. This is back in Luke chapter 24. This is the time of Christ. And it went from Jerusalem through this valley. Next picture. You can see this is what's left today of that trail. You can actually see some of the curbing 2,000 years later that's still uh, here from this trail. But mostly this trail is falling into disrepair. In fact, this is what it looks like for the most part. It is a place where a water main runs through. And they say, honestly, that it's easier to walk on top of that pipe than it is to walk on the trail in a lot of places. But this is an actual literal trail where two guys were walking away from the cross. And so I want to transport us there this morning. And so we can experience it as it happened as best we can. And as we stand there, we see two guys approaching on the trail. Their heads are down and they're shuffling along. And you can tell they're upset about something. And you can't really hear what they're saying, but it's a very animated conversation as they trade back and forth. And we wonder what's bothering them, and as we're looking at them, we see a third guy appear on the trail as well. And he seems to be a stranger to these other two, but they meet and they, they exchange a few words of conversation. And then we see all three of them head off together down the trail. They're walking to Emmaus, they're walking away from Jerusalem, and they are walking away from the cross. Well, who were they? The first two were friends. They had likely come to Jerusalem probably a week before to celebrate the Passover. Jews did that. They would gather from all different parts of the country and come into Jerusalem. But these two guys were also followers of Jesus. But I say were because as we meet them on the path here, we're not so sure. They came because they heard about Jesus. In fact, they knew Jesus is what we can tell from this story they were disciples, followers of Jesus. They weren't part of the 12 disciples, but they were part of the, the, the greater crowd that followed Jesus. But while they'd been in town that week, the crucifixion had taken place. And this Jesus that they'd put all their hopes in had been nailed to the cross. The leader of the movement, the guy that they were counting on, was gone. They'd been duped. They'd been fooled. They've evidently gotten it all wrong, and so they walk away, not necessarily angry, but sad, disillusioned, disappointed, confused, and they seem to be just done, at least with this Jesus thing, because, I mean, obviously, it's over, right? We saw the cross, but I think that parallels a lot of people in our world. I mentioned it before, but people who come to the cross, look at it, hear about it, and then they say, no, 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 that's not really for me. You know, churches, that's for other people. Religion, I don't really like religion. And it's kind of a crutch. And, you know, this Jesus guy, he was a great guy. I, I, you know, I'm good with that. And religious teacher, I mean, he was the one who did the golden rule, right? So I can live with that. And so, you know, if you want to be a Jesus follower, that's fine. But that's not me. And they walk away from the cross. And maybe that's you sitting here this morning. And that's the one that usually people like me, I talk to people like you on Easter to say, hey, would you reconsider? Would you think about the cross one more time? Because maybe there's more there. And the problem is, though, there's an issue of, like, rejection. Like, you know what? I've heard about this, and I don't think so. But thanks. 
But I think there's another group of people here this morning, and I want to talk to you as well. You're actually disciples. You've been to the cross, and the cross meant something to you, at least it seemed like it. But as you come today, you're also walking away from. Because, you know, you tried it, and it just didn't work. And, like, you started getting into it, and it's like it, it created more questions than it answered. And, you know, you, you said, I'm going to be a Jesus follower, and you kind of put all your, your eggs in that basket since it's Easter, but you put all your eggs in that basket, and it's like, you know what? This just isn't really working out for me because, like, I thought it would be this way, and it's not really this way, and I don't know. And even maybe you were more of a follower of Jesus earlier, and you've kind of stepped back a little bit. And it's not a matter of rejection. It's a matter of dejection. You know, you've never left physically. But spiritually, or mentally, or emotionally, it's like, I don't know. Like, I tried this, and maybe not. Well, you have company. You have at least the company of two guys walking down a road this morning who are walking away from the cross. Let's read their story. We'll put it up on the screen here. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. That same day would actually be, we're talking about Easter there, the morning that Jesus rose from the dead. And the two of them were talking about two of Jesus' followers, disciples. But they were leaving. They probably needed to get home. But it seems like there's something more than that going on. It says, as they walked away, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked, they discussed these things with each other. But then Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And so the third guy enters the path there in the story. And Jesus says to them, what were you discussing as you were walking along? And they stood still. Their faces downcast. And we get this picture. They're walking. Jesus walks up and they're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Finally, one of them, his name is Cleopas, he asked him, are you the only one who went to Jerusalem this last week and didn't know about what happened? Like, there's only one story in town and somehow you missed it? And Jesus plays a little bit coy here, and he says, uh, what are you talking about? And Cleopas goes on, he says, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. And notice this next verse. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But what we had hoped for, we were disappointed. See, we thought he was going to be the Messiah. I mean, the Old Testament talked about the Messiah coming, God's son, and he was going to redeem Israel and, and hopefully drive out all the Romans and the occupiers here. And he's going to set up his kingdom and we're all going to follow this Messiah. But obviously we got it wrong because the guy we were trying to follow just died on a cross. And he goes on and says, what more? It was three days since that happened. And then, verse number 22, some women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels. Actually, they had seen angels, but these guys are so 
doubtful. They're like, I don't know if I'm buying that. I think they, maybe they were hallucinating a little bit. But they said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb. And they found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see Jesus. And the whole thing is not making sense to them. And Jesus finally says, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And that sounds insulting, but they don't seem to take it that way. It's more as if Jesus says, you don't get it, do you? And they're like, you get what? And Jesus goes on. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he walks through the Old Testament. And he explained to them what was said in the scriptures about himself. And as they approached the village to where they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, hey, no, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he goes into them. And I think at this point, these two guys are intrigued. It's like, huh, we thought it was over. And now there's one guy saying, well, maybe it's not. And we don't really know what to think here. And so they sit down to this meal. And in verse number 30, it says, well, he was at the table with them. He took bread. And he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. But that's an interesting statement. Because Jesus was the guest in their house. He wasn't the host. It would be the host who would break the bread. It would be the host who would say the prayer. It would be the host that would give it to the guest. And yet, for some reason, Jesus sits down in a guest in their room, and he breaks the bread, and he prays. And we just wonder, we just wonder if those two guys are sitting there and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that's just like when he fed the 5,000. And that prayer maybe, that's just like that prayer that he prayed. And all of a sudden they understood that they were sitting with the resurrected Jesus. And you have the picture of these two turning it to each other like, really? And when they turn back, what does it say? Well, verse number 31, their eyes were open, they recognized him, but then he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we walk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then I love this, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem at once. It was now evening, they had a seven-mile walk. That's okay. We got to go tell somebody what just happened to us. And so they went and they found the other disciples the 11, those with them assembled there together, and they said, it's true, the Lord has risen. He's appeared to Simon, and evidently Peter was there, and Peter had had an, an experience maybe similar to theirs, and they kind of compare notes, and they all gather in this room and are like, yes, it is true. Jesus has risen from the dead, and the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them when he broke the bread. And so we have the story here of two guys who walk away from the cross because they've been disappointed. Because it didn't play out like they thought it would or like they thought it should. But they're not alone. And there's just several reasons why people walk away from the cross. And maybe one of these fits you this morning. Sometimes people walk away from the cross because they don't understand who Jesus really is. They got the fact that he was a prophet. They said, yes, he was mighty in word and he was mighty in deed. But they still saw him as a prophet. They saw him as a king. He'd come into the city on the donkey. He was going to set up his kingdom. And they got that. But they didn't really realize that that's all who Jesus was. And even today we have 
things we could add to that list. Well, you know, Jesus is a good man who taught and lived a very moral lifestyle. Or Jesus was a religious guy, and it's great for all of you religious people. Or Jesus is God's son, whatever that means. But they don't really understand who Jesus is. They have a concept, but not much more. And they don't really realize that Jesus is a savior. And these two guys in the story didn't really realize that there was so much more going on in the story than what they had any idea. They thought that the story was over because Jesus was dead. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm just turning the page, guys. This story goes on for a lot longer, but I have to die because somebody has to die for sin. And I'll die for that sin because I don't have any of my own. And that's a necessary part of the story. But then he rose again to say that sin and death have been defeated and we don't have to worry about that. Sometimes people walk away because they don't really know what the Bible says. And that was true with these guys here. Jesus says, hey, let's look at the Old Testament here, guys. Let's go back. And they could trace this all the way through their history and through the Old Testament scriptures. Even back to where they were supposed to give sacrifices. And they bring a lamb to bring a sacrifice and And Jesus is called all through the Old Testament the Lamb and the Lamb of God. And they just didn't really know what the Bible said, so they were very confused by that. They didn't know that he would have to be scorned and humiliated because it didn't fit with their picture. Sometimes people walk away because they don't really get how the plan works. If you notice this, and if you're a Christ follower, you probably notice this even more, but, but God's ways sometimes aren't exactly the same way that I'd work something out. Like, um, I think, like, this right here is a great plan, and God's, like, on this plan over here. I'm like, gosh, this is really different here. And sometimes we don't get how God's plan works. We don't get that sometimes suffering has to be part of the plan. We don't get that sometimes waiting has to be part of the plan. We don't get sometimes that there's a bigger story going on around us that we can't see or that we can't know about. And, like, the ultimate plot twist might be just around the corner. If we could just hang on, we don't get that. A while back, I was talking to a guy and, and talking about this material here, talking about Jesus and, and, and how he came and how he died for sin and how he rose again and how we need to accept him and invite him into our life as our personal Savior to, to rescue us. And I was trying, like, hoping that he'd be like, yeah, I want to do that too. And he was just kind of looking at me and, like, I could just tell it was not registering with him. But I think it was one of those cases where it wasn't, it just didn't make enough sense to him. I mean, does it make sense for a perfect God to come and die for us? Not really. Sometimes they walk away because they can't seem to get past their expectations, and expectations have been disappointed. And let's be honest, well, God is not in the business of disappointing people. There's a lot of people who have been disappointed by God. Or so they think. And I've been there. I mean, I can remember a time in my life when I took like this huge face step. And it was like stepping off a cliff. And I was waiting for the angels to come and grab me. And they never showed. And there's just this loud thud. And I can remember there figuratively lying on the ground and looking up. and like, what just happened? And there's like this definite moment of disappointment in my life. 
And maybe you've been there too. Maybe it's an unanswered prayer. Maybe it's a situation that's gone from bad to worse. And you've tried to do the right thing and you tried to give it to God. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this, you know, a, a Jesus thing. And it's just like falling apart. It's because our expectations are wrong. See, these guys wanted him to be the conquering king and he was a suffering service. And we bring a lot of expectations to our faith as well. And sometimes they're not accurate. And sometimes it feels like God doesn't come through or God seems mean or he seems unconcerned about the problem you're facing. And we end up questioning God in faith or questioning God in our religion or questioning God in the church. And it's because our expectations have been disappointed. So I guess the question is this morning, what are your expectations? And have your expectations been disappointed because you maybe got them just a little bit wrong? And maybe you're sitting here and saying, well, wait, wait, time out, though. My expectations are that God, that Jesus is a Savior. Yes, that Jesus rose from the dead. Yes, that he makes everything better. I agree. But let's stop for a minute here and get past some of our feelings of confusion or doubt or frustration or disillusionment that, that makes us want to walk away. And to realize this, that Jesus is never going to fit into the box that we create for him. Never will. See, if Jesus had fulfilled their expectations, the cross and the resurrection never would have happened. And to be completely honest, we wouldn't be sitting here today because there's nothing to talk about. Because we'd still be lost in our sins, because we'd still have no hope, because we'd still have no way to access a holy God with all of our sinfulness. But fortunately, Jesus wasn't worried about their expectations. He was worried about what they needed. So who is this Jesus and what is he like? Let me just mention six things, half dozen things as we wrap up here this morning. This is who Jesus is. These are the expectations that I believe that we can have him. First of all, it's this. Jesus knows the struggle you're facing, the struggle that I'm facing, whether it's sadness or doubt or frustration or pain or hurt or loss, whatever it is. He knows the struggle that you're facing, and he knows the road that you are on. And I love this about the story. It's Easter morning. Jesus has risen from the tomb. He's seen Mary. Somewhere along the line, he sees Peter. But he doesn't go looking for any of his other disciples or followers. He goes and finds these two guys on the road and says, hey, before you walk away, let me talk to you. Because it's not what you think it is. And so in your struggles this morning, you can be assured of this is that Jesus is pursuing you. He knows what you're going through. He knows that you're on this road. If it's going to Emmaus and wherever it could be going, and even in your sadness, even in your frustration, even in the moment where you say, okay, I'm done with this all, that doesn't keep him from coming and showing up on your road. Second thing here this morning Jesus wants to take us back to the truth. And I love this about the story. He didn't just show up to these guys and they're all depressed and saying, yeah, we we're following this Jesus and they just killed him. And him. He didn't just go, hey guys, it's me. He says, well, what does it say in the Old, Te what does it say in the Old Testament? What does the scripture teach here? And he takes them back to the truth. And sometimes we get messed up in our lives 
Because we created our own versions of the truth. And their version of the truth was that the Messiah would come and he would set up his kingdom and everything would be great from then on. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the truth. That's just your assumption. And he says, here's what the truth is going to be. And he takes us back to the truth. And we live in a world right now that is so crazy, pumped full of uh, information. And, and so much of it is, is just nonsense, to be completely honest. And you, and you hear so many different contrasting stories. And you're like, I don't know what to believe. Jesus says, hey, let's go back to truth. Let's, let's not worry about beliefs. Beliefs are what I have. And I can believe anything. Let's go back instead to truth. And this is what God tells us here. And the word tells us about God that he is just and he is wise and he's all-powerful. He does what's right and he's sovereign. And he's not like us. And so when we're struggling with life, we're like, I don't, this doesn't make sense to me, God. And, and I, I just can't square this up and I don't know what to do with my faith. Jesus is like, well, that's the truth here. Let's just keep going back to the truth and seeing if we can get there. Thirdly, Jesus doesn't always do or say or think what we think he should do or say or think. Have you noticed that? Sometimes we just have to say, okay, I can be okay with that. And I might struggle with your plan, Jesus, but you know what? Your plan will still be okay. It'll still be good. And then we get to the fourth point here, and it's this. Jesus brings hope to the story. Okay? Let's just picture this. So, so here's Jerusalem, there's Emmaus, and how are these guys walking along? And then they discover it's Jesus, and what changes? And what's the difference? It's the hope that's brought to the story. And if you've been walking, shuffling along here, Jesus brings hope to this story. We live in a world of hopelessness. Depression and anxiety are just crazy off the charts right now. And partly as we look around the world, we're like, man, this horrible thing's happening here, and this horrible thing's happening here, and this horrible thing's happening here, and yes, it is. And that's what the enemy brings. But there's hope for the story. And hope is found in Jesus. Hope is found in the cross. And hope is found in the resurrection where you can take something that can be no worse than death. And Jesus says, I can handle that. In fact, here, let's just up it a little bit. You just go ahead and beat me and whip me and put a crown of thorns on my head and, and just torture me so that I'm just like a lifeless piece here of, of humanity. I can handle that. And I can walk out of there. And whatever it is that you're facing here this morning, whether it's grief or sadness or whether it's just disappointment and questioning things, Jesus says, here, let me bring hope to your story. Fifthly, Jesus often goes unrecognized and ignored and unexperienced. But let me just tell you something this morning. Wherever you're walking, whatever your trail is, especially if you're walking away from the cross, he's on your trail. He's been looking for you. He's ready and willing and wanting to deal with your disappointments. And that's if you're just, you know, kicking the tires and maybe you're just here because you're supposed to come in Easter and you're really not into the God thing. God is looking for you. Because he wants you. And you may not recognize him in your story and you may be dealing with these disappointments and whatever, 
But maybe it's just the person that, that has invited you or the person who's reached out to you or the person who's been your friend. But that's what Jesus is using to bring you back in. And then finally, Jesus looks for the average traveler along the way. Jesus looks for the average traveler. You know what's interesting about this story? There's two guys walking on the road, at least we think. It doesn't actually say that there were men. It says there were two of them. Could have been disciples. It could have actually been a woman. Some people think that this may have been this guy named Cleopas and his wife. It's possible. But we only get the name of one. We get the name of Cleopas. And I think one of the reasons we have the name of Cleopas is anybody could read this, could say, hey, I know that Cleopas. I'm going to go ask him to make sure that's a true story. But we're never told the name of the other person. So let me just suggest why. Because we're supposed to insert our own name in that slot. So it's Cleopas and Brent walking on the path, or it's Cleopas and whatever your name is walking on the path where Jesus shows up. And I love this. Jesus goes looking for just an average traveler. In fact, Jesus here, he didn't go with the first string disciples, the 12, or at that point, the 11. He goes with like the JV disciples here, the disciple that we don't even know his name. And he says, oh, I can't let you walk away. I just can't. You know, I mentioned earlier about a guy that I was talking to back a while ago just about this faith thing and about Jesus and what it means to trust Christ and invite him into your life. And I was really hoping that he would be like responding to that and he just kind of looked at me and it's like, okay. And it was a nice conversation, and I just kind of walked away a little bit frustrated. But you know, about two months later, I got to go back and sit down with that guy again. And we basically talked about the same stuff. And we covered a lot of the same information. And we're sitting there, and I remember this clearly. He looked up at me and says, oh, I get it now. And I think that's what happened. On a trail 2,000 years ago where some guys walked along and they heard all this stuff and they sat down with Jesus and they broke bread and they prayed and they looked at him and it's like, I get it now. And I would ask you this morning, are you in that place where Jesus has opened your eyes, where you're ready to come to the cross and to walk from the cross in hope? rather than walking away from the cross in frustration? Are you ready to trust Jesus and not yourself? Are you ready to get over the worst disappointment that you've ever had and to trust Jesus? And he might surprise you and he might take you down some hard roads, but he'll never disappoint you. Because the story never ends at the cross. The story doesn't even end with the resurrection. The story keeps going and we walk on from the cross. Let's pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me just ask you a couple of questions here this morning. First of all, if you're not really a follower of Jesus, would you consider it? And maybe this morning you're understanding for the first time that Jesus came for your sin. He died on the cross and he rose again because that was the only way that sin could be taken care of. That's the only way that death could be defeated. And we're talking about your sin, my sin. And this morning, you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can do that where you sit. Simple prayer conversation that you have with him. Jesus, I know you came, died on the cross, 
for my sin rose again. Please forgive me and come into my life. You can do that where you sit this morning. If you have questions about that, I'll be at the front door on the way out. I have a book that you can even look at that might be helpful to you. Give you some more information about that. I'd love to put it in your hands. But maybe you've come to the cross, you've accepted Christ, but if you're completely honest this morning, you've been disappointed. Maybe it's something that happened at church. Maybe it's something that somebody said to you. Maybe it's just this big prayer request that didn't get answered the way that you thought it should, and, and you've been disappointed, but you need to come back to the cross today and to put your faith back in Jesus so that you can live in hope. I'd encourage you to do that this morning as well. Jesus, we celebrate you this morning. We celebrate your gift, your sacrifice. You took it all for us. It makes no sense until we understand that we can't be good enough for you and we need your grace. So we praise you for that this morning. But Jesus, thank you for not letting us walk away on our roads. And Jesus, for anybody who's walking away this morning, I pray that you would bring them back. giving them hope and by opening their eyes. And we ask this all, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm so glad that you're here. Come back and see us. We're here every week. I'd love to have you. It's a great service. Worship team's going to close us out this morning. I will be at the back door, if you're a, or the front door, actually. If you're a, a guest, I'd love to meet you. I do have a book. If, if anybody's interested, I'd love to pass that out to you as well. Thanks for joining us. I hope that you have a happy Easter. Let's sing.